I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Exodus and find chapter 4 as we continue in this journey to freedom through the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 4, if you're a guest with us or you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen behind me and you can follow along with us there. As we continue at this burning bush encounter between God himself and his prophet Moses, God has heard the groanings of his people, and he remembers, he didn't forget, but it's brought back to mind his covenant that he had made with Abraham. And he calls on Moses to lead his people, the nation of Israel, out of captivity and oppression. By way of reminder, last week when God first encounters Moses at the burning bush, Moses asked him two questions. He says, who am I? His second question he asks of God, he says, who are you? God responds to him, I am. No beginning, no end, but eternally present. He tells Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when you go to Egypt, you tell the elders, I am has sent you. And what's so fascinating, what's so amazing about this is that God guarantees the response of the elders to Moses. He tells them exactly how they're going to respond. And then he guarantees Moses 100% success. He tells them what, how they're going to respond ever before it happens. Exodus 3, verse 18, look at this. And they will listen to you. That is the elders of Israel. They will listen to your voice. They shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of he, the Hebrews has met with us. He says, you're not going to fail. They are going to listen. In fact, they're going to listen to you so much that they're going to take your testimony as their own testimony. And with confidence, they're going to say, God has not just appeared to Moses, but collectively, he has appeared to every single one of us, and God is going to lead us out of here. So what do you think Moses' response is a result of 100% success? He's going to be difficult, but he cannot fail. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me. They will not listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Let's ask God's blessing on his word this morning. Father, would you bless your word? Would your Holy Spirit work through it? Take it into our ears and to our hearts, and may we be changed that we may see beautiful things in your law. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 100% guaranteed success, and Moses' response is, hey, that's really nice of you to say, but they aren't going to listen to me. They won't believe that you have sent me. Now, why this response well, if you remember, Moses is remembering that he's tried this before. When he tried it before, they said to him, their response was, who has made you the prince and judge over us, Moses? 
It tells us here that the passing years have not relieved a sense of failure from Moses. And Moses is very discouraged. Do you know the feeling? It's been 40 years, but still those things are creeping up. Have you been discouraged before? If you haven't, you will be. And if you are right now, you can relate to the feelings that Moses is having. And when we are discouraged, what happens? We lack faith, just like Moses does in this text. He starts to live, and you and I live in the what-ifs of life. It's always the worst-case scenario because we're not dwelling on truth when we're discouraged, but we're dwelling on our circumstances, and we need to dwell on truth and discouragement. And so I want to give to us this morning the truth that we need along with Moses that God gives to him when we are discouraged. Look at verse 2. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, it's a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand. Catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Verse 6, again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put it inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So when he put his hand back inside his cloak, when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they do not believe you, God said, or listen to your first sign that they may believe the latter sign. If they do not believe even those two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. God doesn't really give Moses an answer verbally, but instead displays the truth to him through three different powerful signs. They're going to listen to you. The second sign that he gives to him is a sticking a hand in his cloak and bringing it out with what was rampant in those times, a leprous hand. How cool would that be? I mean, that would just, like, if you've ever had a conversation with somebody, you don't know where to go next, like, all of a sudden, you just stick your hand in your cloak, you're like, yeah, how about that? It's like, whoa, right? Wait for it. Wow, right? That would be awesome. I mean, think about this. Just imagine he's looking at his hand, and he's like, I have leprosy. It's gone, right? He says, and if that's not enough, go to the Nile and take some water out of there and pour it out on the ground. And after you do so, it's going to become like blood. That will get their attention. But the first sign that he gives to him is very personal, and I want us to draw our attention to this. As he tells him to throw his staff on, his gr- on the ground, it becomes like a snake, and Moses runs from his own staff. God tells him to pick it up by the tail. Now, that's exercising some faith, isn't it? But even in that exercising of faith, the actual Hebrew here that the Old Testament is written in displays for us even Abraham's hesi- or Moses' hesitancy here to pick up that snake. 
In the Hebrew, the word here, grab, that God uses, says to take hold firmly. But the description that Moses uses to grab this snake means to snatch or to grab cautiously. I was on a walk with my daughter the other day, and we came across a garter snake. And uh, she said, oh, Dad, that is so cool. I should go pick it up. I said, yeah, go ahead. And she comes over, and she looks at it and does one of these, like, oh, I can't get it, right? Like, didn't like, she was still like a foot away from it, but like pulls her hand back, like, I can't get it. I'm like, well, let Dad do it. It comes over, and I go, oh, right? I do the same exact thing that she does. We did not hold a snake that day, <laughs> Right? It was nice to look at at the time, but both of us, I mean, this is the kind of thing, but but Moses in his snatching does grab it by the tail and exercising his faith in God, although maybe just a little. And notice what God says here. He says, what's that in your hand? Moses says, it's a staff. Now, I don't know if Moses perhaps had a a flashback when he held up the staff and looked at it, remembered about the time that he found it so many years before, the predators that he had fended off with it, how he had leaned on it when he was tired, used it to walk up a hill, how he directed sheep with it. It was the staff that was in his hand. Notice what the text does not say. It doesn't say, and then the skies parted, and the angel Gabriel came down with a glowing staff and handed it to Moses. And as soon as Moses grabbed the staff from the angel Gabriel, a surge of power went through his body. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says, God says, what's that in your hand? When God calls you, he equips you. When God calls you, he equips you. And here's what's so amazing about God's calling and his equipping in your life. He's going to use the everyday life experiences that uh, you experience all the time, even the mundane things. And I forgot to tell you a little bit of what your first truth is that you need to hear, and I'm going to give that to you. We can go back a little bit, guys. You're, you guys are smart back there. But here's the first truth that you need to know when you're experiencing discouragement, God is still powerful enough to use you. You need to know that God is powerful enough to use you. And he is showing Moses this as he's questioning everything he does. He says, I'm too old. They're not going to listen to me. I've tried this before. God says to him, what's in your hand? And he says, a staff. And God says, that's what you're going to use what you've leaned on for years that reminded you even of your failure, I'm going to use that as a tool of deliverance. You see, God has given every one of us a gift to minister and to reach to everyone he wants us to reach. Did you catch that? God has given every one of us a gift to use to minister to those who every single one that he has called you to reach and none beyond that. Everyone that God has called you to, he has equipped you to do. And on top of that, God gives you his Holy Spirit and by his divine power has given you everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness. 
See, God is going to use ordinary things in your life in extraordinary ways. And I want you to talk about this week in your cell groups. What are the ordinary things in your life that God could use in extraordinary ways that you could never even dream of? Perhaps even a past failure, as this staff would have represented to Moses. A reminder that you didn't deliver the nation of Israel, but instead for the last 40 years you have been a shepherd. But God takes this ordinary thing and turns it into something extraordinary. Look what it says in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 20. This is what it tells us. It says, so Moses took his wife, going to Egypt now, and his sons, and had them ride in a donkey, and he went back to the land of Egypt, and what did he take with him? The staff of God in his hand. So a regular staff, Moses' staff, has now become the staff of God that would turn the, the Nile into blood, that would bring water from a rock, that would part the Red Sea. You know, I wonder if Moses, when he's looking out with his hand outstretched and the Red Sea is parting before him and he's looking at that staff that represented his failure, he's just smiling. It's like, I, look what God's doing. Look what he has done in my life. See, listen to this this morning. Your past does not define you, but it can prepare you. Your, fast, your past does not disqualify you in every area, but God can use it to minister to others. And let me say to you this morning, to you, those who are discouraged, those who are hurting, God's not finished with you. He's not done with you. He is preparing you. He's leading you by his hand. He's the faithful God who takes ordinary things and uses them for extraordinary purposes in your life. And you must cling to that truth that God is still able to use you. So now Moses, right? He is ready. His spirits have now been lifted. Well, let's read on. Verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. So his first excuse here is they won't listen. Excuse number two is I don't know how to speak. Now, after all these signs... I think maybe God perhaps is looking at Moses a little bit like this. <laughs> right, it's like, are you kidding me, Moses? Are you serious right now? Remember the hand, right? Remember the snake? Remember the, the signs that I gave to you? But listen, this is not how, Jesus, how God responds to him. Look at verse 11 and 12. He says, then the Lord said to him, who's made your mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, says the Lord? Now, therefore, go, I will put with your mouth, I will be with your mouth and will teach you what you should speak. Here's a second truth you need to know when you're discouraged. You need a bigger view of God. This is the truth that you need to focus on. You need to say, God, how are you wanting to expand my vision of you? 
Now, if you notice, God does not make much of Moses, but in his gracious rebuke, God makes much of himself for Moses. He says, who's given man the ability to speak? Moses, who created your mouth? You're not the creator. I'm the creator of all things. I control speech. You see, when we are discouraged, you don't need a bigger picture of yourself in that moment. You need a bigger vision of God. Now, does God actually grow? No, God is always, he's the sum of all qualities. He's huge, more than we could ever comprehend. But in our lives, we need to see him that way. Just as Moses needed to see a vision of the great I am. I heard a prosperity preacher that had written a book called The Power of I Am. And in this book, he talks about how you need to say I am over your life. It's you. I am valuable. I am worth it. I am successful. And if you speak this way, then you will be blessed, strong, and healthy. But God is the I am, and we are not. That is why God doesn't say, oh, Moses, you are so great. In fact, that's why I am choosing you, so that everyone will see that. No. He says, I know that you're a stammering speaker. I know that you failed. That's why I'm choosing you, so that people see I am so great. Oh, if you're fearful. If you're discouraged, if you're lacking faith, the cure is not to be told how great you are and to make much of yourself and to focus focus in on all your insecurities and your failings, but to look at Christ and to see him for all that he is. I have a tendency to do that myself. Brad, you're not good at anything. There's so so many people that are so much better than you are at so many different things. Oh, God, I'm just a a lowly person. And God says, I know. I know you. I know that's true. Stop wallowing and look to the truth of me and who I am. Stop focusing on your inadequacies and focus on my perfection. And God is so kind to us and so kind to Moses as not once but twice he questions God and makes an excuse to him and he reminds him how great he is by showing him an expression of his power in both sign and in word. Well, certainly now, God has calmed the fears of Moses and has strengthened him. Let's look at verse 13. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. So he's out of excuses. Now he's just saying, I don't want to do it. Have you been there before? Fearful, discouraged, not wanting to do anything? Look at verse 14. We see God's graciousness again to him. He says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming to meet you, and he, when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. 
He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and he shall be as God to him. And take your hand, take in your hand this staff, which I shall do these signs. Thirdly, the third truth you need is that you need to keep obeying. You need to keep on obeying. I said that God continues to be gracious to Abraham, or to Moses, excuse me. He continues to be gracious to him, but yet he says that God has become angry. This God who is slow to become angry that he reveals himself to Moses, but that doesn't mean that he does not get angry. And for that, an angry God, we should be grateful. It's his grace to us. Because if we did not have an angry God, we would have an indifferent God. We would have a God that doesn't really care what we do. But we don't have an indifferent God. We have a holy God who demands and desires obedience from his children. You see, Moses didn't just have a speaking problem. He had an obedience problem. He was not taking God at his word. Listen, discouragement is never an excuse for disobedience. God wants us and he calls us to fight through our lack of faith, to fight through our discouragement, to not zone out and to continue to obey him even when it's difficult. And isn't that when we grow the most? When we obey God, when it's not easy, but when it's difficult to do it. And God is even more gracious as he supplies Aaron, his brother, Moses, who would now speak for him. And God knew that he would take this discouraged man and he would do just as he would said he would do. That he would lead the people to freedom. You see, because God saw beyond what Moses could see. Moses couldn't see beyond the sheep wool that was right in front of him. He couldn't see beyond his circumstances, beyond his path, his past. He couldn't see except what was right in front of him. But God saw beyond that. And God sees the same for you and I. When everything is blurry, we're looking at the windshield of our life and it's just covered in downpouring rain and we can't see through it. God is like, just turn on those wipers. I'm going to show you what I have in store for you. And he wipes those things away with the truth of who he is. So when you can only see what is right, right in front of you, when you're discouraged, you need to dwell on the truth that God is not done with you. That see, he is still powerful enough to use you in spite of yourself. If God can use a stick, he can use you. And you need to remind yourself in that truth of a vision of God that he wants to expand in your discouragement. Don't run from it. Lean into it. And that's hard. That's it's so difficult to do. But God says, if, you're, if you do this, I'm going to expand myself and your life than you'd ever thought imaginable.
this is one of those texts that God has given to me. And it's almost like he was saying, Brad, this text is for you. If anyone else benefits from it, great. If you pre- I want you to preach this to your own heart. I want you to preach this to yourself. And you keep on obeying. You keep stepping forward in faith. And he says, I want you to take me at my word. God wanted Moses to take him at his word. He tells him, he says, they're going to listen to you. But he wants a sign. And don't we all want a sign? I mean, how powerful would it be if you're sitting in biblical counseling, you're listening to the word of God, and, you, and all of a sudden, Pastor Kurt's counseling you, and he sticks his hand in his shirt and pulls out a leprous hand, right? It's like, okay, whatever you say, I'm in. But wouldn't it be wonderful in Moses and us if we were willing to just trust the promises of God without a sign? To trust him in faith and say, God, I believe what you've said I trust you. I want that, don't you? I want to take God at his word, and I want to believe him, and I want to trust him. But you know what? God has still given us a sign. For unto this shall be a sign unto you. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, And you shall find the Savior as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Of all the signs that God could give to us, what does he give? The great I am becomes a baby. And he lived the perfect life. And he died upon a cross as a sign to us that we have a God who loves us And we have a God who is angry over sin, but doesn't remain angry. Because all the anger that he had over our disobedience was unleashed on Jesus Christ on the cross. That's our sign that we look to. We say that Jesus Christ took my place, the one that was in the burning bush that appeared to Moses, came, took on flesh, dwelt among us, and died in our place. And we are left with the sign of an empty tomb that everything has been paid for. Father in heaven, I pray this morning, I pray for the discouraged heart. I pray for the one that feels unusable, discouraged, having a hard time trusting. I pray, God, that they would get a bigger vision of you. I pray, God, that they would continue to be obedient to you, that they would think about the next step of obedience that they need to take. God, I pray that we would trust you, that we would believe you, and would do what you say, knowing that Jesus Christ has taken our sin away. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.